The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. Almost as day. It's that David Faber <laughs> here at Post Night of the New York Stock Exchange. David has the morning off. Futures a little jittery this morning amid the ongoing sell-off in semis, meaning NVIDIA tonight is key. Meanwhile, Palo Alto, Vertiv, and Teladoc cutting guidance. Our roadmap begins with NVIDIA out after the bell, a day after the stock saw its biggest drop in four months. Palo Alto is plunging more than 20% pre-market as they lower their full-year guidance. And then later this hour, a CNBC exclusive with B of a chairman and CEO Brian Moynihan. Let's begin, though, with NVIDIA under some pressure again ahead of its big earnings tonight after the stock suffered its biggest one-day drop in market cap during yesterday's session. And last night on Mad Money, uh, Jim did reiterate its bullish stance on the company by comparing Jensen Wong to one global superstar. Jensen is the CEO equivalent of Taylor Swift. I'm not joking. I'm dead serious. Whatever happens tomorrow, do we really think it's make or break for NVIDIA, up or down, yay or nay? No way. Nobody's about to call a top in Taylor Swift, so why the heck does everyone seem to want to call a top with NVIDIA? This morning, Jim, you say he's not sweating the quarter. He's no. working on something more long-term. He's sweating the March keynote, which is something that he does a deep dive uh, every year. This one's, this one's going to be uh, no Well, there'll be a virtual, but you have humans. And that's what he thinks about, which is a five- to ten-year plan. Now, he has to deal with the quarter because he is human. Uh, Taylor Swift has to deal with her appearances in the box with Kelsey because she's human. But what really matters here, and then people have to understand, is that if you think that AI is a short, if you think it's all, you know, if you think it's degenerative AI, if you don't think that there's really anything to it, then you should sell. Because NVIDIA is what makes it all happen. Uh, I have said own it, don't trade it. And the reason I've said the only other stock I've ever said that about is Apple, because I need to restrain myself. I find myself from, there was someone in the journal yesterday who quoted me as saying in 2017 that he bought the stock. And I looked it up, what did I say in 2017? That's when I named my dog NVIDIA. So it's like, you know, it tends to resonate. But I think it's really important people understand that this is not a nearly as important for Jensen as it is for everybody else, this National NVIDIA Day. And, you know, Colette Crest, who's the amazing CFO, will come on. It'll be very straight. Uh, there'll be a line which says that China's a problem, and if we don't get China by 2025, then we're in trouble. And tomorrow you'll hear that's all people say. The reason why it's down is because they said China trouble, because that's what happens to the stock. I, I caution to say people, you have to understand, there's something between plunge and explosion upward. And that's what happened in the second half of last year. And I think that that's, you know, they're not going to catch this thing. Yeah. Can't you be a believer, though, in the long-term story and still have your eyes open to digestion by yes. hyperscalers? Yes. Isn't that part of the story tonight? Yeah, and I think if you go uh, to – Jensen has many partners. But one of the more, um, I would say, tempestuous one is Snowflake and Frank Slubin, where Jensen went 
to see to the Slootman Festival. They, everyone has a festival. We should get festivals. <laughs> and, and one of the things that happened was that Jensen was came in peace, as he said. And Slootman basically attacked him, saying, listen, you're charging too much for these things. And people are going to rent this rather than spend the money because they don't really know what they're spending on. And I think that's true for a lot of companies. They don't. They want to get them. Uh, sovereign nations. What do sovereign nations know? They take a big chunk of these. But I think if you there was someone who said, listen, maybe there's too many H100s out there. Well, that's why it does the H200. But in his mind, he's working on the H500. And that's what people don't get. That's why I compared him to Taylor Swift, who drops an album while she's doing an album, which you can buy in vinyl for like three times the cost. Right. And I just think that that's what you have to view him as. You have to view him as it's just a continuum. Like, I remember when I went to his office, and there was this thing behind me, and it was calculating furiously. I said, what's that? He goes, well, this is how fast you have to go to land a man on Mars, and when you get really close to Mars, you have to stop, and then you have to take it back up. And i got to calculate exactly what would cause a soft landing on Mars. I said, well, why are you doing that? He says, well, why wouldn't you do it? <laughs> well, that's him. It's I mean, this is a man who has dog robots picking up jello and then giving them treats when it, they get it. Right. That's the man. So he's not thinking about the court. Uh, the implied move tonight, about 11%, oh, would, would be one of the biggest market cap moves ever, maybe behind Meta's it could day happen. the other I, day. I am prepared for, uh, or, or uh, Palo Alto, I am prepared for people to say, well, it was to, to the digestion. It looks like that this Grace Hopper may or may not be big. China, they need to be able to sell the H200. Uh, Gina Raimondo, Commerce Art doesn't want them to. Uh, Amazon has too many. And uh, sure enough, uh, Alphabet's developing its own. I mean, that, these are all, <laughs> minutes. let me give you the net. I, mean, I can write this. I can chat GPT tomorrow's uh, trading on NVIDIA. But I would come back and say, remember, this is a, a company that is doing in thinking on a different plane than the rest of us. And I wish they would do what Walmart did when Doug McMillan said, listen, we got to split it three for one because people want, they want to yeah. share. Then yeah. I think NVIDIA wouldn't be so nouveau riche. That's interesting. We'll get NVIDIA stands for nouveau riche <laughs> data. It's friends, it's friends for nouveau Alpha. riche. Yes. We're going to talk Walmart later on. There is one last thing that J.P. Morgan points out today, that if the guidance is too good, the street, strangely, will sniff out, well, maybe supply is getting better, and then the inventory correction comes. Is well, that possible? Look, I, I, I think that it, to be smooth here is to be smooth on the Apple iPhone 4, the Apple iPhone 5. I mean, he compares it to an iPhone moment, and that's both good, good and bad. iPhone moment, iPhone changed the world, but then we have people who say, look, the uh, best is behind it already, and that's something we put on air all the time. When the stock was at, like, seven. So you have to understand that even though this is enterprise and not consumer, there's always going to be someone who says, look, this is the top and it's all fanciful uh, and we're not going to buy the Euros tour from this guy. Let's turn to Palo Alto Networks this morning, uh, down on its latest earnings results as well. Jim, three downgrades today. Uh, oh. Piper says, oops, I did it. They did it again, uh, calling it their third straight disappointment. Th that's true. Now, I think the cash Aurora uh, is basically doing, and I'm going to quote this because I went to it with him and he didn't seem to disagree with it. Uh, he's offering... Uh, a, instead of doing a la carte sales, he is offering a price-fixed 21-category meal. In other words, he's bundling. Now, no one was ready for this, okay? And no one was ready for the federal contract shortfall in the next two quarters not be good. Which they had staffed up which for. Which they had staffed. Right. We downgraded the stock for um, the Travel Trust. And I shouldn't, you know, I've told everybody I'm not supposed to give. I don't want to give anything away. But we have a big annual meeting on Saturday. Uh, we're upgrading today. 
because everyone else is downgrading. We're upgrading. I want to run into the fire on this thing because I think Nikesh realizes that you can't nickel and dime all these different pieces anymore. You have to offer a suite. Now, he used a word which I think he wanted to take back very badly, which is he said there's fatigue. What he meant was that there are so many people, salespeople, in selling individual products that people are, like, exhausted and can't come up with the ROI. They're not fatigued in the sense that they're not going to buy any uh, cybersecurity anymore because they'll all be inundated by, I mean, if you were to issue a statement today saying, listen, you know what, we're not buying any more of this. Like Chinese hackers, Romanian hackers, Russian hackers, Venezuelan hackers, I would say even, you know, maybe I... Pakistani hackers would yeah. be after these guys. You can't do that. You cannot possibly stop spending. So the idea that the fatigue was wrong. You're giving up the gain for this year. Now, remember, this top five performer, S&P, top five performer last year, S&P. And Nikesh Arora is a visionary. And to be a visionary, there's, I have to tell you, I want people to go to the conference call because it is brilliant. At one point, he says to uh, Brad Zelnick, who hated the stock much lower, I will point out. First of all, uh, he, he says... He's talking about platformization. That's what he's going toward. And he was only introduced five years ago when you didn't believe us. But now we've got to worry about consolidation. And he does say that there is, um, to this one, he says to Joseph Gallo from Jeffries. I love this. Uh, this is a short-term hiccup. I know you guys would love life that was linearly nice in quarters <laughs> and moved up in a beat and raise percentage. I'm trying to get this done in the next three to five years where we even become bigger and longer in platform and cybersecurity. And I try, I, I say that, it's going to be down 100. I'll see that and I'll raise it by the fact that Nikesh Aurora is no longer a billionaire. <laughs> there, there was good sound uh, with Nikesh and Jim oh, last night you. on Mad Money. Take a listen. There is no cybersecurity abyss. I think this is a reshaping of our demand curve so that we can grow faster in the longer term. We want to go ahead and platformize our customers. We want to be able to execute with them as they want right now so we can drive this business to a bigger number in the future years. Interestingly, Jim, today the president is expected to sign an executive order looking at preventing cyber attacks in the nation's ports, which are increasingly controlled online. Well, these are the things that only will go with Palo Alto. He does want a suite. He's up against CrowdStrike and a lot of things. I don't look, I don't think he's trying to take it down 100 to be able to make some record. That's facetious. But I do think this. I think a lot of people feel like what is the model was working really well. You were a hundred billion dollar company. You were number one. Why does the number one company have to commit suicide? And the answer is what he would say is no. We have to be able to take this thing into a price fix meal. We can't just keep getting nickel and dime by CrowdStrike. Uh, so this is the end of that. We're going to go for suite, not unlike what Salesforce has or ServiceNow has, of which, by the way, they provide a lot of the cybersecurity service now, uh, to Workday. So he's going towards that. No one was expecting it, candidly. A lot of people felt, well, wait a second, this is just gold. Well, you know, he's not sitting on a gold mine right now, yeah. but he could later. We're going to watch it today, along with a lot of uh, other tech names. In the meantime, I want to get to our Leslie Picker this morning. She's down in Miami with a very special guest today. Morning, Leslie. Hey, good morning, Carl. Thank you so much. And thank you to Brian Moynihan, uh, the chairman and CEO of Bank of America, for joining us from your financial services conference here in Miami. Appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for coming down. It's a great group of investors and companies and 
the team's done a great job pulling it together. So. Yeah, the event is great so far. Um, you just came off of your fireside chat where you talked about some big macro themes you're watching. You say that the consumer is really kind of firing on all cylinders, that there's a lot of strength there still. They're still borrowing. Activity is high. Uh, but you juxtapose that to kind of the commercial sector, and you see that kind of moderating a little bit. And as we look ahead to the Fed minutes later today as kind of a news peg here, I'm curious what you think all of this means for, uh, you know, the Fed's kind of decision-making as it pertains to monetary policy. So I think if you, if you think about the consumer, it, the consumer is still spending more out of their accounts at Bank of America this year versus last year, about five, 4 to 5 percent. Last year at this time, that would have been t 9 to 10 percent. So it's slowed down, and it's consistent with a lower growth, lower inflation economy. And that's good news, because the consumer isn't going you know, south and is not spending. They have money in their accounts, their capacity to borrow. There's a lot of concern about the aggregate debt levels. But if you actually normalize them for the growth in the economy, they're kind of in the same place as they were pre-pandemic. So that's good. Commercial companies have to look at the world around them. And everything they read, whether it's the you know, wars and whether they could escalate, whether it's the Fed you know, it's going to hold longer, whatever the news of the day is, and you'll hear more this afternoon, or whether it's just worried about final demand, you know, that's, that's what's more concerning. So they're not using their lines as aggressively, which is an indication that they're not putting money to work quite at the rate, because it's more costly. The decision to borrow on your line now at 200 basis points spread over, you know, short-term funds is a 7.5% decision versus a 2.5% decision you know, 36 months ago, 24 months ago. So they're going to be more careful. And that means that the investment rate has slowed down. So putting this all together, there is this grand debate out there. I heard Steve Lee's been talking about this on the morning program on Squawk Box this morning, just about this idea of whether the Fed needs to cut kind of preemptively to make sure that some of these cracks that, that are kind of percolating under the surface don't come to fruition and push us into a recession. And others say, no, you need to you need to follow the data. You need to make sure that you are, you know, not being too easing in order to make sure that inflation is officially stamped out. Based on kind of your vantage point, where are you on that debate? So our team, the research team, which is number one in the world, has uh, three cuts this year, four cuts next year, and they've revised theirs from four cuts down to three cuts. And that's this debate about whether the data that just came out in the last few weeks uh, shows the economy and the inflation is coming down, but not quite at the rate people had hoped. And so they've got to have a clear path. They've, the Fed's not being mysterious. They're saying we have to have a clear path down to the 2% target. We, we have to be well on the way before we cut. Now, the air potential is actually to not bring rates down and normalize soon enough, just like it was not to raise rates fast enough. And you can hear the Fed governors and the chair talk about, well, maybe we didn't move fast enough back before when you saw signs of inflation. They have the same possibility. And so the, that's what they're wrestling with. Our view is that they, you know, our team's view is three cuts this year would, would bring the economy back into uh, sort of equilibrium at the end of 25 with a Fed funds rate in the, you know, the mid, uh, you know, the three, three and a half. -ish. My colleague Jim Kramer has a question for you back in studio, Jim. Yeah, uh, Brian, what, what price of anything, anything is down uh, from two years ago? I'm sorry, Jim, I didn't hear you quickly. I'm trying to figure out what's, what price, house, car, uh, rent, what is down so that we should feel confident that the Fed should cut? You know, the end of the day is the, the, the pricing went up and wages went up. They just went up in two different cycles. And so the wage growth that occurred early in the post-pandemic cycle and the, and the contribution from the government to them added a lot to consumers' firepower. The problem is then the pricing caught up with it. And now we're trying to get that back in equilibrium. So 
whether how you know it'll take people get used to mortgage rates of you know seven six seven percent. Jim, you well know because you're about as old as I am, so we've been around a while that that was what we used to think was a good mortgage rate. It's just that for 15 years we had no real rate structure, no you know uh, uh, rate structure in the United States and around the world, and so people got used to lower rates. It'll take time to do that. That'll work itself through the system. And, and as rates normalize. The inversion of the curve has to be corrected. There has to be some changes made. But when you think about it overall, Jim, you know, the reality is, yes, prices are up, but wages are up, unemployment's down, people are earning money. And so that's the tug of war that's going on. And they've moved the consumer to a different level of spending and capabilities. Will that hold is going to be an interesting question. Yeah, but 12% uh, mortgage for me first time, Brian. So, yes, we are similar age. <laughs> uh, uh, yesterday, uh, kind of a, an amazing tie-up. Capital One with Discover uh, Financial. Is this something that you think should be investigated for, by the FTC because it might actually cut back competition in the credit card business? Uh, you know, Jim, it's far for me to look at somebody else's deal and reflect on it, honestly. <laughs> you know, it, it, Capital One and, and uh, Discover made a major transformative discussion. It will concentrate in the credit card business. We're an effective competitor, $100 billion in balances, and great opportunity among our customer base to drive more growth. So uh, I don't worry about the consolidation from a competitive standpoint, but that's someone else to judge on whether they have a feelings about it or not. What does it mean for your business as a credit card issuer? Because, um, you know, this tie-up would uh, make them the largest credit card issuer in the U.S. as measured by card loans outstanding at $257 billion. B of A has about $102 billion, so a sizable player there. Uh, but this creates a pretty significant competitor for you. How do you kind of assess the landscape if this deal does go through? Well, at the end of the day, we, if you go back and look historically after the MBA transaction, Bank of America rose to the top of the credit card outstandings. Um, and you know, we've been more uh, cautious and direct on how we do it. We do it for our customers. We drive the business to be in affinity with our Bank of America customer base. We drive the business to have great credit underwriting. Um, and in the world where you know, we're talking about normalization of credit. We're talking about getting back to 3% charge off rate. We, you know, we underwrite to higher rate tolerance and higher underwrite uh, loss rate tolerance in that. We're underneath that. So that's good news. So being the biggest is not necessarily what we want to do. We want to be the best with the best rewards product, preferred rewards, which is integrated with our consumer franchise. 11 million customers are, you know, 70% of the balances in our consumer business that are tied in preferred rewards through their card, their checking account, the mortgage, the home equity. And that, that is where you generate real economic value for your shareholders. So I don't, we never said we were going to be the biggest in any business. We want to be the best in every business. But is scale important here? It, it is, it is. But the scale, our scale and their scale is not much different. When you look at operating costs, the, you know, if I were a $20 billion issue, it might be concerning, but $100 billion plus, you know, we did 4 million new cards last year. We're growing exactly the way we want. And, you know, our balances grew 10% year over year. You mentioned charge-offs. Um, I want to pivot, if we can, kind of to what's going on in the regional banking world, because there has been, since we last spoke to you in Davos, a flare-up in that community uh, with shares of New York Community Bank Corp. It's seen half their value uh, evaporate this year. Another East Coast Regional Bank, Valley National, also down significantly. The concern there, once again, kind of this commercial real estate. Uh, and at this juncture, especially as the prospect of rate cuts are getting punted further and further down the road, do you think that the market is overreacting or do you think there is a real risk here in commercial real estate um, and that these flare-ups are going to just keep happening until, until something gets solved? So if you look at the commercial real estate uh, out there, loans out there. Half are in the industry, half aren't, and half in the industry are are, are 
more heavily weighted to regional banks, and that's where the concern comes up from our research team and others. But if you look at the underwriting, people forget that the underwriting standards, you know, uh, on commercial real estate in the late 80s and early 90s when you had massive failures have been fairly well regulated. And so as we look at our portfolio is 60 billion on a loan book of a billion, 50, a trillion 50, excuse me, so 6%, office is 2%. If you look at that office space, it's, you know, it was underwritten a 50% LTV loan to value. Uh, reappraisal, it's only in the 70s. For current appraisals on current properties that have been rated down, i.e., that we had concerns about the cash flow. So we, we feel very good about our portfolio. Will it be a constant question? Yes, because in the end of the day, what has happened in commercial real estate is evidenced by the trend in our company. When, when the management team took over in 2010, the team had, we had 130 million square feet of real estate. Today we have about 60 to 70. That's by densifying activity, concentrate, yes, less people. And, and so that, that, uh, change is going on and went on with velocity before the pandemic and then was accelerated by the pandemic and you know, the work from home a day a week, two days a week. So if you think about it, we, we all through that process only got about 25% of our floor space built to the modern environment that we have. Then the pandemic hit. Now we have people, if you think about it, if you do four days a week out of five, that is a 25% reduction or 20% reduction in usage. So that gives you a whole other configuration plate. That's going to go on, and that's what's happening in the office-based market, and that's what people are concerned about. The reality is it's a slow transition that takes place, and, and, and we, feel, we feel very good about our portfolio. We've, people forget that in, whether it's in the CCAR process and whether it's in SNCC, uh, this uh, shared national credit process or whether it's just how regulators operate together, Ratings integrity is a critical part of what the banking system has. So all these banks have been going through CCAR and stuff. The stress test. 30, 30 people going through the stress test have had constant review of their portfolios as to underwriting criteria, throwing it against a, a, a 40, 50% downdraft of commercial real estate prices, and how do you charge off. In the last results, I think we were about 9% over nine quarters. So think about that with a 50% drop in prices instantaneously and no ability to work around it. So you know, the banks have been pretty well regulate on this. It doesn't mean it won't be work. It doesn't mean it won't be workouts. It doesn't mean it won't be charge-offs. We took charge-offs last year. But, but the system is much more ahead of the problems than they were back in the late 80s and 90s when we had a last serious commercial real estate crisis. And right. when the regulators came in and re-rated a whole portfolio overnight, that, that work in, the, in any the top 30, 40 banks goes on every day now. Brian, I want to thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Great conversation talking about just the changing landscape in the financial services industry against the backdrop of your financial services conference here in Miami. Appreciate it. Carl, I'll send it back to you. All right, great stuff, Leslie. Thank you. That's our Leslie Picker uh, with Brian Moynihan. We'll take a look at futures here, get to some of the other names uh, moving on earnings, including ADI and Toll. We'll revisit the great discussion with Jim last night between him and Doug McMillan of Walmart about inflation, well, particularly right now, food. I'm loading the Philadelphia 76ers and the uh, and the Flyers into my new Apple Sports app. I don't know whether you're able <laughs> Priorities. More squawk in the street in a minute. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? 
Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Got some news on Icon Enterprises this morning. New CEO Andrew Tenno is a portfolio manager over at Icon Capital as the current CEO David Willits moves to be CEO of Pep Boys. Also a financial update, intends to maintain their quarterly distribution. We'll take a quick break here. Opening bell coming up in less than five minutes. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Kid Kramer's Matt Dash as we count down to the bell. Yeah, one of the most amazing companies is actually a SPAC, and the company's called Vertiv, and its uh, CEO is Dave Cody, uh, late of Honeywell. Uh, I'm sorry, chairman, and CEO is this guy, uh, Albertazzi. I had him on. He's really fabulous. But this stock, had it been in the S&P, would have been the number one performer last year. It is makes heat rejection, power transfer, makes all the, ins- the picks and shovels inside a data center. And last night I reported, and it was a great quarter. Uh, and they gave good guidance, but the guidance was, was too weak for some. This may be a precursor to NVIDIA in the sense that this stock was at 65 last week uh, on February 15. It's now down 10. There's nothing wrong with it except for the fact that it came in hot. Now, you could say, well, wait a second. Uh, people who own NVIDIA are getting blessed here because the stock is getting clocked ahead of time. But just keep in mind, Vertiv, number one performer if it had been the S&P, and somehow let people down, even though it was an amazing quarter. Right. So just expectations. And the long knives are out for the nouveau reissue NVIDIA because no one can believe it can be go from $150 billion to $1.7 trillion in four years. No one believes it. But it did. Uh, not to mention adding whole Intels by the week in, in recent weeks. Well, I mean, Jensen won. Okay, so he wears a leather jacket. And, He's kind of a cool guy. The problem with those who think he's just kind of a cool guy is they're missing the point. He is the da Vinci of our era. He has thought long and hard about what's going to appear in 2034, of which I hope he is still running the company. And the rest of us are peons. We're like Lilliputians, and we're going after him and thinking, well, you know what, wait a second. Well, no, we're not even in his plane. I've got, when I've been out there, when he had me, he created me. And he said, hey, I'm Kramer. I mean, it was like, 
It was better than me. He did a great monologue. I don't think people realize we are not of his world. So you can sell it. You can sell him. When you go through headquarters, he's saying hello to everybody by name. They don't even know who he is. And I just think that he's otherworldly, and that bothers people. He's everywhere. He's giving speeches. The speeches are incredible. I watch all his speeches. He just this morning comes up, and he's got an announcement with Google about a, a relationship about AI platforms. Someone is going to say tonight that Google is, uh, is oppositional NVIDIA. Well, then what do you do with shining brighter together? Google's Gemma optimized to run on NVIDIA GPU. This just came out um, a few minutes ago. And I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, go sell it. Make my <laughs> uh, it's a it's a key data point for the market overall. Of course, uh, Jim, it's a good thing we have it because the week is sort of a vacuum of data in terms of macro. Uh, right. Although we're getting a little bit of Fed speak, and then minutes this afternoon will give us a taste of whether or not uh, they want more uh, evidence. I see your minutes, and I raise you Walmart. Uh, yesterday, Doug McMillan talking about, uh, unlike Brian Winnie, I asked Brian Winnie the question about what's come down. The natural answer is to say, well, why don't you go to Walmart or Costco? They are at the forefront of a speech today about food inflation and how it's sticky. Well, it is sticky. That's why Walmart is attacking it. That's why Costco is attacking it. I thought Doug had a lot of good things to say about uh uh, about what Walmart's doing to make it so you get it when you want it, where you want it, on last night's mad money. Yeah, take a listen to what McMillan told Jim. Our general merchandise prices, things that are not food or consumable, are actually down versus a year ago and comparable to two years ago generally. And then on the food side, we're seeing some of our fresh food categories come down, um, but processed food, dry grocery, and consumables still have a two-year stack of inflation that's problematic, like mid-double digits. But this year, compared to a year ago, prices are up uh, less than 1%. So I think we've, even in those categories that have been more stubborn, we've been fighting hard to keep our prices low. Now, I like Walmart's private label, and I defy anyone to say that it's any different. Uh, I'm not not just talking about string beads and peas. Uh, I think that Kirkland's signature is better than any branded that I've ever gotten. These are the two companies that are saying to their suppliers, do you want to sell here? Do you want want to be in Walmart? you want to be in Costco? Take your prices down, because they have the power that J-Pal wishes he had. They can wave the magic wand and evict you. I, I had a company that had a popcorn business in Costco, and it just geared up big for Christmas and was, like, unbelievable. And we are just, like, all set to raise prices, and Costco kicked us out. And then the company went out. That's what happens. Costco is more powerful than any company other than Walmart, and people should understand they are at the vanguard of keeping prices down. That said, I mean, food companies were up 2% yesterday. We had General Mills and Hershey uh, present at Cagney, and they are talking about maybe volumes recovering in the in calendar Q2. Yeah, well, good luck, because Zempic, we're going to have a special one. Uh, Eli Lilly is offering uh, Monjaro and, and, and Zepbound $300 below Novo Nordisk. So, I mean, you, I, you, you can eat all the Cheerios you want, uh, but I think that what happens, as we've been seeing, is that your willpower, is what this thing's about. This, these drugs give you willpower, and Lily under $300, $300 under, no one even knows this stuff. It's like killing me. You go sell Eli Lilly, that's another one people want to sell. But I think that General Mills is shaking in its proverbial boots. Uh, and that journal piece you mentioned basically talks about how food hasn't taken this much of your income in about 30 years. Right. And they quote uh, Kellanova, Steve Kalane, saying, in general, it's hard to point to eras in which food 
prices go down and stay down. Yes, the supply chain is, is really drastic, and everything costs more. Uh, the transport really just gutted a lot of people. And you look, and you look at where's the two ruby red grapefruits for three dollars when it's now six dollars. I mean, how did this happen? Well, the answer is is that everybody let it happen, and someone is going to have to hurt their gross margin. And the companies going to hurt their gross margin are the companies that are going to lose sales to the empire that is Eli Lilly, that people don't, are all, well, no one, it, uh, Doug, Doug, Doug Mill wouldn't go there. No one is willing to admit that the 7 to 10% of the people are going to be taking these things just don't want those foods anymore. Pepsi at one point was up three. I think that Raymond LaGuardia is amazing. But if you can eat just one, then you're going to eat just one. The other thing you got to uh, with McMillan was uh, some of the, the stock uh, dealing with the employees, and also the Vizio deal, which continues to bite on Roku uh, today, Jim. Well, look, I mean, he, he, continue, he mentioned, I asked him directly about Roku, and uh, Doug, CEO of Walmart, is saying, look, more the merrier. But the fact is, is that Vizio is a, is a game set, Matt. It's a checkmate, because they, they can win advertising. By the way, they have $3.1 billion in advertising. They can go, I think they can go to $4 billion. The Vizio deal is slightly, uh, it's not accretive yet, okay? Not accretive yet, but I think it will be accretive by next year at this time. Uh, speaking of all this, Amazon, of course, going into the Dow on Monday. Uh, Bezos selling some more shares. Great piece in the journal about how nobody wants warehouses in their neighborhood, Jim, but they still want next day delivery. Well, there's a warehouse uh, country in the Lehigh Valley, and you get there, and it's like, you're looking at it, you're saying, well, is that like some sort of secret Area 51 installation? No, it's Amazon. Amazon's up. No, Very little money's indexed to the Dow, so that is just ridiculous. Is it as ridiculous as Nikesh's stock being down like 90 to 100? Kind of. Uh, but I do think that one of the things that uh, that that I am grateful for is, is that it looks like that Bezos is done selling. It's a 50 million the 50, share. Yeah, the 50 handle. Yeah. And maybe we can go back to talking about how good Jassy is. Yeah. Uh, the other one, uh, Uber going into the transports, replacing yes. JetBlue, Bernstein today, looking at how Uber went from being a money-losing stonk, in their words, to a name that's returning capital, uh, uh, transport-worthy, asking which is the next one. Yes, and what happened was this moment that people forget where Dara, Dara said, okay, look, this is it. He did a living, a, a year of living efficiently, not unlike Mark Zuckerberg, where there's a really funny video of him doing something at US, I don't know. Uh, they won't pass him a shirt. But I think what is amazing is that they were the first company to realize we got to stop the spending. And within a year, they were making a lot of money. They were spending way too much. Do you know that Drizzly, they bought Drizzly for like a billion a couple years ago. I went in them. I said, because I got, you know, my wife's got this I remember business. that day, yes. I said, oh, what do you got? How much, you know, what is this Drizzly? What, what's the matter? And immediately they came back and said, would you like to buy it? I mean, they're clever people. They're fun. They're great. And they're on top. But I've got to tell you, look out for Risher. Risher comes on the show, Lyft, stocks at nine, and he makes bold, bold challenges, including this airport pledge. And look at it. Stocks, good. Yep. But anyway, yeah, it was just a decision by Kostashari to get the company profitable. And it worked. I mean, I, I remember when he did it, it was like a memo. It, it, the memo was basically saying, you know, we're cutting out the peanuts and the free popcorn. It was one of those, you know, where it's like the paper clips. And boom. And I, that's what happened. Yeah. And they did it. Yeah. Good for them. Uh, meantime, we've been showing some flashes on Nat Gas, for example, rebounding on this Chesapeake CapEx number, Jim. Uh, down 20. Well, I mean, I got to tell you, there's a, uh, I, I read uh, Rusty Brazil's notes today. We're talking about a big uh, LNG terminal about to be turned on. We're going to be sending that stuff out. Uh, this, why don't people, talk, this is, you know, when Brian went in, when I asked him, has anything come down? 
it, it should have been one of those where it was rhetorical because the answer is net gas. Net gas affects probably more people than uh, than many people realize because yeah. it is how it is our heating fuel. It's good. I mean, it was minus nine when I was when I was in Kansas City, and uh, you know it, that was kind of cold. And the only thing that kept you warm at all was net gas. Right. No, we, the, the first close below two got our attention and just kept going. Yeah. Well, look, this is an amazing thing. We're fly- obviously we have the lowest cost natural gas in the world. We can't export enough. And what happens? Uh, it's going to be a, a great source of national security. But the president has just said that 2028 we're going to put a pause in, pause in which actually may hurt Wes Farrell, who's a great visionary, might may hurt his, his product. I, I do think that this cheap fuel is not hailed enough, but we don't build pipelines. Everyone, no one wants pipelines in their land. I have a pipeline, my land. Every year they give me a calendar. Fantastic. <laughs> it's like the toaster at the bank. Yeah, they give me a calendar. You know, like one of those where you rip the page oh, off. Yes, yes. Holy cow. Yeah, toaster would have been better. <laughs> my Jim, God. Uh, you mentioned the decline in Palo Alto. We've also is it got 100 tel- yet? Is it 100? We've also got Teladoc uh, with similar losses on a much smaller scale. Uh, and then SolarEdge Technologies, too. Down well, SolarEdge turned out to be a financing play, and a lot of the European financing was not there. It's similar uh, to Enphase. Uh, Teladoc is just the ultimate commodity. They talked about 90 million people being involved. But you know what? Those are fungible. Anyone can. I could probably call up like five people right now and get a prescription for, I don't know, you know, a super duper yeah. uh, prednisone. Yeah. But uh, Palo Alto is different. That is that is a man, Nikesh Aurora, deciding, you know what, we are going to risk our market cap and get this thing right and go with a price-fixed uh, product so we don't have to keep being nickel and dime by others. And it's shocking people because here he was, king of the world, you know, and suddenly it's, uh, you know, it's like, he's not like, you know, he's like a rook. No, no, he's kind of like a uh, pawn. <laughs> no, Nikesh is not a pawn. He's way too cool. Yeah. Um, you mentioned when we were talking about the Teladoc, WBA, Jim, not just getting kicked out of the oh, Dow, but also sayonara. the downgrade from HSBC to reduce well, uh, structural headwinds, new leadership, cl- cash flow pressures. Okay, so here's the, the scoop on, on WBA. Uh, my friend Lisa Gill, uh, who runs the, the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference, uh, would tell you that Tim Wentworth, the CEO is a brilliant man who, the first thing he did was cut the dividend. That was smart. He has another really bad quarter. He's got to reset, all right? And then I think Walgreens is going to be back. Now, what did Walgreens replace in the Dow? GE. What's been the best stock around? So let's not just necessarily, you know, keep in keeping with that. I think that Walgreens, Wentworth will turn it around. I think it bottoms at 18. Uh, I think Karen Lynch is turning around CVS, although there's so many minute clinics. I don't know. Yeah. You get three, you know, you toss, I could toss my wife at a minute yeah, clinic. She did five of them. I don't want to. We, have, we haven't touched right. on um, mortgage apps down 10. Yeah. Or toll raising the guy. Oh, my God. Toll, million-dollar homes, gross margins up again, orders absolutely fabulous. And, and, and just, I mean, Doug Yearly, I was congratulating him last night because his nephew works with me for yes. the, for the uh, uh, investing club, uh, who does Kevin's a fabulous job. But what I think I like best about this is that they have basically said a few years ago that they were just going to make a lot more money on every home. They're not going to lose money. They're going to buy back stock until the street recognizes how great they are. And they did everything, every single line for toll, whether it be the unit orders, whether it be the land that they're selling. They made a fortune on one piece of land. But this is just a remarkable company with a remarkable quarter. And Stuart Miller from Lenar, he's a competitive fella. Stuart, 
You got some work to cut out for you because Doug Yearly has delivered. Just delivered yeah. fabulously. Uh, of course, uh, the 30-year fixed back with the seven-handle. Yeah, and that caused a number of the mortgage you know, the applications down 10. And it was, Toll Brothers did benefit from a January decline in mortgages, but the orders are great. The spring is fabulous. Uh, I just think you look at this and you say, how many people can afford a million-dollar home? And I come back to inflation, because on that Home Depot call yesterday, they're talking about like 46% housing inflation since 2019. That's why I say you can cut three times and make it so that inflation 60%. And is that what you want? That what you want? I say no. You mentioned Depot. They do get cut by HSBC today. Yeah. Um, uh, Back to reduce. Sales momentum is poor. Uh, Muted industry fundamentals, Jim. Well, I thought that was uh, an ill-advised downgrade. And the reason I did is because right now the do-it-yourself was, I was surprised professional and do-it-yourself were equal. I expect the professional to be better. But I do think that in the renovation market, it isn't as strong as we think, but you, you got a company selling at 23 times earnings, premium group, two and a half. They just raised the dividend, and if it finally comes down, you get a chance. I think, like, look, it, it's it's eight points from its high. You can let it come in a little, but this is Ted Decker's doing a remarkable job. And if you actually go aisle by aisle with the quarter, they had a lot of aisles that were very strong. So I don't want to give up on Depot. I think that this could be Lowe's time, uh, Marvin Ellison, in part because when I hear that the do-it-yourselfers really browse in the uh, aisles uh, of Home Depot and do more business on, on February 27th. Maybe you get a good quarter from Lowe's. Yeah, that is generally, that's their lane. I know you were yeah. mentioning some Apple news earlier. What, what were yes, you talking about? Yes, I'm down that there is uh, Eddie Q, who is a remarkable fellow we both know, uh, has insisted and pushed through a sports app. It's Apple Sports. You know, I downloaded it and loaded immediately the Sixers and the Phillies and the and the Union. You you What you do is you load your teams in. It's got the odds of all the games. Uh, you pick. This is a lot of this is because, like Eddie, uh, with Duke, which had a good win last night against Miami, uh, what happens is you have your teams that you like, and you want the instant upgrade. You want it, and this is the beginning uh, of what I regard their major sports initiative. It's very early, and you can say, listen, I want to have a leaderboard. I can do whatever I want. Apple TV, go to it. But when I said, how about my Vision Pro, which they did not have, he said, no. So that means to me Vision Pro coming. <laughs> well, Eddie's definitely going to be watching the Duke news. We know that. Uh, it does bring up, we haven't mentioned the Fubo TV uh, efforts to yeah. go after this uh, sports streaming bundle, Jim. Well, I, I wish, look, I think it's pretty easy because I think that the FTC, but, I, you know, if the FTC doesn't go for that one, that would be a shame. Because I'm not so sure that's such a great thing for the consumer. And by the way, it's not just to protect. I don't want to protect Bob Kraft and the uh, and the Patriots. But you know, they should have maybe mentioned the NFL. They were going to do this. Now, Fubo, I would say that they need this, because um, or they need to do a ten for one reverse split. Something that makes them seem to be a little more serious. Uh, we are going to hear from the CEO in the 10 a.m. hour, oh. uh, and we haven't really talked about ACI Kroger and whether or not uh, that happens next week. Okay, so if you go back to what. The history of the Justice Department and the FTC on these mergers and if they've all supermarkets, they've all been bad. And one of the reasons is there's usually like a straw man that's set up to buy the divisions that show overlap. And that was Hagen with the Safeway deal. And they got Hagen went bankrupt with it almost immediately. Uh, but they have a, a real they have a real buyer. Uh, but I know that Jonathan Cantor, and of course, that this is not justice. Uh, well, 
this is everybody, I think Justice, FTC, states, everyone's going to be in this, has said over and over again that this and the airline mergers were, were the bad ones. So, right. But Rodney McMullen has got great data, which shows you that prices have been held or going, going lower. Uh, I think Rodney's real. Uh, I think he's earnest. And I don't think they play earnest down there. Mm. They're not earnest. Uh, we've also got American uh, hiking some baggage fees, oh, although nice conversation with Oscar Munoz on Squawk today, saying it's basically, it might be an effort to get people to book more directly with the carrier uh, than through some of the, uh, the online agents. Well, that, that could be. I mean, we're all kind of tired of paying more uh, and having an extremely full flight and not being able to take our carry-ons in in any way. And I just think that American has been stuck at this price for a very long time. They all have. They're kind of... They've been not great stocks. Not great stocks at all. What, what, what's Buffett's old line? Oh. Uh, airline never going to be a, a wonderful business? Well, that's because he owned U.S. Yes, Air, which US is Air. certainly not a wonderful business. And it's one of his few really, really bad mistakes, and people mention that. Uh, I am watching the cybersecurity companies it, because I think that what people don't realize is that Nikesh Aurora has declared war against everyone else as he does his platformization. And uh, that's going to make it so everybody's going to be saying, oh, all the, the clients are going to be saying, listen, I want a better deal. Uh, and I don't know. I think the group's going to be under pressure for more than just three days. Uh, George Kurtz and CrowdStrike, he's never missed, although I think the cash for may contest that. Uh, but CrowdStrike would be the one, if people feel like, you know what, they're going to bounce back. I would grow with CrowdStrike and then Zscaler because the street loves Zscaler so much they can't resist. All right. Uh, we'll see how the session develops. Obviously, some yeah. red arrows today. Uh, before we go to break, let's watch bonds as well. As we said earlier, not a lot of eco data this week, but we are getting Bostic at 1230, uh, Bowman at 1 o'clock, and, of course, the minutes, which are about three weeks old, uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Dow down 117, holding 49.60. We're back in a moment. Market under a little pressure here. Dow down about 100 points. Garmin's going to lead the S&P here this morning of yeah. 9% on a beat. A div hike, some buybacks. People just think that they got defeated by the Apple Watch. Uh-uh, they've got a great watch. But uh, those of us who are anglers know that you, if you don't have Garmin, you can't find with the stripers or bike. <laughs> Stop trading with Jim. It's coming up next. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. Uh, people don't like these Wendy's numbers. And one of the things that's really interesting is that, is that they have this guy, Kirk Tanner. He's come in from PepsiCo. And I think he's terrific. But you do have a 5% yield, which is raising, raising eyebrows. Some people can't uh, think they can't be sustained. Remember, McDonald's talked about how, how just difficult the business is. So, uh, Wendy's, you can either see it's a great opportunity or you can be like my wife and just go eat the Baconator and move on. <laughs> Today, today, J.P. Morgan does cut to neutral yeah, on, on, the, big bull. on the back of what they see as looming price competition, to yeah, your point. Yeah, and that's just, I mean, look, we're getting price competition in a lot of places, including cybersecurity. Uh, so that's your that's your key for tonight leading into NVIDIA, I assume, is watching yes. Palo Alto's action. And remember, remember, long knives, don't give up the ship. March 18 to 21, three-day love fest, 300,000 people listening to the keynote. There's more to it than a quarter. This man is not... It's like, go to the Da Vinci Museum in Rome, and he's got, like, a picture of the helicopter. But he had a lot of other things cooking, too. Um, if, if, the, if, there is a, if there is trouble after the bell, right, 
Yeah, what, I'm what, gonna, how much of the rest of the market is vulnerable? Oh, I, I think it, there, is, there is because AI is, uh, has created the biggest move uh, that we've seen in many, many years. So I think, yeah, there could be a, not a hiccup. I mean, there could be people say, listen, what was I doing? But I, I urge people to think longer term. That is not something anyone wants to hear on Wall Street. Right. Kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, Katie Huberty. Nice piece today. One uh, of, them, one of yeah. them basically arguing that uh, the bond markets have corrected to price in fewer Fed cuts, but stocks have not. No, and that's, uh, look, I don't think there'll be any cuts. I think that. Wait, are you saying there'll be no Fed cuts this year? That, I think if we keep up, if we don't have in, uh, employment above, unemployment's got to go to foreign change. Or else I think that Jay's going to say, you know what, we're watching. We're watching. And I think that they're very worried about the thing I asked Brian Moynihan. in. They want to see something come down in price other than natural gas. That's their game. So, like, let's not get ahead of them. Uh, we'll see. Maybe the minutes will be instructive, but they are dated, Jim. Yes, they are. Very dated. I've got Realty Income, which is letter O. That's monthly income. I love it. And then I've got Brent Saunders from uh, Bouse and Loan. Nice. First time. Wow, what a show. And get your load up your sports app. Uh, do not pillory the cash too much. There's a real company there, Palo Alto. And Jensen Wong, if you decide you're going to sell them, then why don't you go sell Taylor Swift? <laughs> we'll see you, see you at 6. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Quick break here with the Dow down 118. Back in three. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. 